Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the presence has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Welcome to the Nine Points Podcast. I'm your host, BH. Whomever and wherever you happen to be, we want to thank you for tuning in. It's our belief here at the Nine Points Podcast that humble and courageous individuals make up healthy families, which make up healthy communities, which finally gives us a healthier world to live in. We at the Nine Points Podcast receive our inspiration from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This scripture speaks to nine fruits of the Spirit of God and is read as follows. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We at the Nine Points Podcast try to promote these principles by encouraging one another to apply the fruit of the Spirit within the closest relationships that make up our inner circles. In time, when these principles mature, the culture within our inner circles will promote the kind of compassionate leadership that we will need for the challenges that we will undoubtedly face in the future. Today's episode, well, today's show will include three segments. The opening word is going to come from my um, from my Sunday from my Sunday school book, and it's going to it talks about corrupt leaders. The second segment is going to include Z time, and I'm going to have them read it and ask them some questions so that we can you can hear some things from an adult perspective, and then you can hear some hear the same story through the eyes of a teenager. And then finally, the third and final segment is going to talk about the opposite of corrupt leaders and not just corrupt leaders. It's going to be the opposite of corruption. Okay. And what it looks like. So first and foremost, I want to talk to you guys about the Sunday school book that I have. It is from, I think the company is called, let me see, AMI. Um, and no, UMI, I'm sorry. I think the company that puts it out is called UMI and it stands for Urban Ministries Inc. I'm assuming that you could go online and see what, you know, what kind of publications they got. But this is the Sunday school book that I've been teaching from for the last few years. And uh, it's UMI. And the uh, title of the book is Jesus and Me. And it's the acronym JAM, J-A-M. And I am going to be reading from the teacher's manual for the, you know, for the adolescent group for which was Sunday school this week would have been March the 22nd. 
So again, giving credit to UMI, which I believe is Urban Ministries. Let me look at it again. Um, Urban Ministries, Inc. The publication is Jam, Jesus and Me. And I'm going to be speaking from the teacher's manual. I'm going to be reading the book. I'm going to be reading the scripture from the teacher's manual and then just giving you certain, you know, certain things that stood out to me. So the first thing I'll do is read the background word from word off. Well, the scripture today is going to be coming from Micah chapter three, verses one through three, then nine through twelve. And then finally, chapter six, verses six, seven and eight. And prior to the actual Sunday school lesson, they encouraged us to go back and read the devotional reading which was Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 through 10, and Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 17 through 32. Um, I guess I could tell you a little bit about the, um, the devotional reading. Um, I already, you know, I went back and I read it. Um, I read, actually, I read Zechariah chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, and Deuteronomy chapter 24, I read 1 through 22 and not just 17 through 22. And I'm trying to go back to my notes and see some. And I'm just going to give you some of the things that stood out for me. You guys go back and read it yourself. Again, this devotional reading is Zechariah chapter 7, uh, verses 1 to 10. And um, when I read it, the, some of the things that it was speaking about was like rituals and acts without passion might make you feel better for a while, but what God really wants is a relationship. So after I read those verses, that's what, you know, that's pretty much sums it up in a sentence for what I thought. And then for the other uh, piece of the devotional reading, which was Deuteronomy chapter 24, uh, verses 17 to 22, uh, after I went back and read it, it says, um, my notes say, the first few verses talked about divorce, uh, duty to put your first year of marriage before anything else. Uh, death to kidnappers of fellow Israelites. And how to approach debt and loans for poor with poor people. Um, so verses 17 to 22 starts off by saying that the people should not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. It also says that the people with much should intentionally and systematically make provisions for those with less. Has nothing to do with capitalism, has nothing to do with um, communism, has nothing to do with all these kind of political sound bites that people to throw out uh, to put a label or discourage um, being, I guess, being thoughtful, being compassionate, and not just being foolhardy. You can't just be kind for the sake of being kind and you can't just be cold and then justify it as saying that you're being responsible. The Bible time and time and time again talks about the importance of being intentional about uh, making opportunities, creating opportunities, creating space for people that are not quite as fortunate as you are. So take it, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, then again, finally, one of the last couple of things I said was my translation. It's wrong to lean on someone 
if they're if they are part of a desperate family that does not have a comforter, provider, and protector. That was, you know, that was something that came out of verses 17 to 22. Um, that was the role of a husband back in the day, and that's the role of uh, husbands and wives these days, fathers and mothers these days. Um, we provide, we comfort, we protect our children. And when a child is growing up or a, f- a family of children is growing up, and one or both of the people that are that, you know, was created to be there to try to fill that gap and try to be the bridge to that young child and God, if they are not there, it's not right. It's not righteous to lean on them, to create ba- uh, barriers for them and actually try to bet against their failure so that you can gain financially. So that's some of the things that that I got from reading that scripture. So now um, I'll go ahead and move on into um, today's scripture again, which is Micah chapter three, verses one through three, verses nine through twelve, and then chapter six, verses six through eight. What I'm about to read to you is word for word out of the teacher's manual. I'm not going to add my own commentary. I'm just going to read this word for word out of this teacher's manual which again is from Urban Ministries, Inc. Um, JAM, which stands for Jesus and Me. On page 29, it reads, Michael's prophecy began with the general announcement to Samaria and Jerusalem that God had a case to present against the nations of Israel and Judah. He then laid out the first of two series of judgments against the divided nation, by describing the sins that they had committed against God, as well as their fellow citizens. The Neo-Assyrian Empire was the dominant and real threat to Jerusalem during Micah's time. One of the many ways Jerusalem prepared for conflict was to strengthen the economy so they would have the necessary resources to fight off both foreign and domestic threats. But as today's text suggests, the ways that they pursued economic stability were immoral and did not align with the precepts of the Lord. Their stimulus plan was based on greed, exploitation, and senseless taxes. And as a result, moral corruption slowly crept in. The rulers and leaders convinced themselves that their methods of governing were necessary because of the impending dangers. Thus, treachery soon became merely business as usual. The culture of corruption and abuse spread, and soon landowners began taking advantage of farmers. The poor were subjugated, and they had no social or economic power. Individually and collectively, the nation claimed to depend on God, whom they knew and believed to be the ultimate lover of justice. However, The leaders were cynical and perverted righteousness. So that's the background for today's scripture. So I'm going to read from King James Version, chapter three, verses one, two and three. And it says, and I said, and this is uh, Micah talking to the leaders. And I said, here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob. 
and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? Who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. So in verse one, in verse one, Micah chapter three, verse one, he's talking to the divided nation of Israel and its rulers. He describes what they do and describes how offensive they are. Verse two, um, the symbolism here makes me think of torture and cannibalism. Okay, so this is the, you know, verse two talked about what these some of these behaviors, some of these practices were like. I'm not going to tell you if it, I, I, I'll, I'll just I mean, you just read the Bible. You come to your own conclusion. I think that it was mostly uh, imagery talking about you are doing such bad things to people. It's as bad as if you were doing this, that or the other. But then again, I can also say that it is possible that people were being tortured. People that had power might have been torturing people with less power. Because when I read verse two, the very first time I read it, I mean, it made me think about slavery in America. Lynch mobs did those sort of things to my ancestors. It talks about plucking off their skin, um, flay their skin from off of them, break their bones, chop them up into pieces, mutilation. That thing, those sorts of things happen in this country that I love. And if it happened not so long ago, I don't think that I don't think that the um, Europeans that came over and colonized America created torture. Um, I think that a number of things that uh, torture brought out the worst confirmed the worst of man's fears about man, what we have in our hearts. Um, If we don't allow God to lead us. We can allow fears to dictate the way that to dictate doing all sorts of ugly things. So that's what was happening back then. And again, that all of those things popped to mind when I read verse two, verse three, um, again, continues talking about the the symbolism and uh, iniquity. You know, iniquity is like a perfect adjective for pride to me. You know, in many episodes, I've talked to you guys about the danger of pride. And I I invite you, please, please go see what C.S. Lewis said about pride. Please do. Um, You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with C.S. Lewis, but it really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Pride is at the root of so many things if you look hard enough. Um, So let me read verse three again who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them. And they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. Okay. um, Immoral or immoral or grossly unfair behavior and wickedness. That's what iniquity is. 
And then I also looked on Christianity.com and Christianity.com describes iniquity in this way. It says it indicates not an action, but the character of an action, which makes it difficult, which is what makes it different from sin. So since I started a little bit, the definition that Christianity.com gave for iniquity is it indicates not an action, but the character of an action which makes it different from sin. So when you read iniquity, when you hear about iniquity, those are the sorts of things. That is what it means. Um, Things that sins would be things like murder, kidnapping, enslaving people, extortion, to banish the righteous. These are sins. Iniquity is the evidence of these sins, the legacy or the livelihood of those sins, the the um, the practices that take place as a direct result of sins. That's what iniquity means. So moving on to verses. Nine, 10, 11 and 12. Again, I'm reading from the King James Bible. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward and the priests thereof teach for hire and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. So the first verse, verse nine, I put down. um, He's saying, please listen to me, you leaders and future leaders. Don't hate and be disgusted by justice and judgment. Please accept sound advice. You know it's sound advice if it aligns with scripture. Okay? Data and fruit of the spirit. That is what aligns with scripture. That is being able to get wise counsel and acting on wise counsel. That's what we need. Otherwise, greed and fear can become like big time motivators that blind us to our responsibilities to ourselves and to and blinds us blinds us of our responsibilities to the people that are looking up to us first and foremost in our innermost relationships our inner circles but if we're blessed to be in a position of power and authority then when we don't hold ourselves accountable or don't think that it's important then all the people that that fall under our power, they suffer as well. Verse 10, they build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Um, they're running the country off of bullying and manipulation. Verse 11, the heads thereof judge for reward and the priests thereof teach for hire and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? None evil shall come upon us. 
So priests, head of state, and even prophets reflect a faith in the influence of money. Then they have the nerve to say God is all right with that. You know, you know, somebody that doesn't care at all about the influence of money. Some I can tell you about somebody that's alive that don't care nothing about the influence of money. Something with a name, something living. It's called Corona. It's called Ebola. It's called swine flu, bird flu, pneumonia, cancer, etc. There is life that takes human life and it doesn't care how rich you are. It doesn't care how many people say how high when you say jump. When you live a reckless and greedy life, when death approaches and takes away some of your power and some of your privilege, you're left to ponder the type of life that you lived. You have plenty of time to look at all of those rationalizations that you gave yourself while you were doing those bad things. And you think about what was it all for? What kingdom did you really benefit? Did you benefit the kingdom of God or did you promote everything but the kingdom of God in your behaviors? And I think I I think I need to say something now. I know I was going to say it at some point. I might be jumping ahead of my notes right now, but I got to say this. Rich people and powerful people are not the only people that mess up. You don't have to be rich to be a bully. You don't have to be rich to be greedy. You don't have to be cold hearted. You don't have to be um, you don't have to be cold hearted to do something selfish. All people need the fruit of the spirit in our minds, in our attitudes and our words and in the actions that we lead. That's what we all need. Somebody that doesn't have money is going to hurt them and the people that's closest to them. People that have influence is going to hurt them and the people that's closest to them. The evidence might be different because of the day-to-day walk that we live in, but we all need these things, people. We need to walk the way that God intends for us to walk. And for those of you, again, I welcome anybody to listen to this podcast that wants healthy families. If you want healthy families, you have to be willing to ask yourself, what is it going to take for me to live for and promote love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control? How am I going to do that? Is that the way that I was raised? Am I really okay with that uh, morally? Or do I think that's too fluffy and not the way the real world is? I'm telling you what the gospel says we should do. So if you think that that's not the way that the real world is, maybe it's because we are supposed to show the real world, the the rest of the world, what real really is. So, you know, one more time, you don't have to be rich to abuse your authority and to abuse and waste your resources. God has love for all of us. God has a word for every season. And it's important for all of us to heed these words and work together with love and patience and kindness. 
So moving on to verse 12. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. Okay, that's an idea. Start talking about that simple fact. None. No one is perfect. Very few people can say that they've lived a perfect day, let alone a perfect week. Absolutely. Let alone a perfect month. Excellent leaders will still make mistakes. Generous people can still be stingy. But when the going gets tough, exploitation, blaming and not holding myself accountable should not be the way that people think of me as a leader. That's what's supposed to separate leaders from the ones that look up to us, that try to emulate us. We have to show the right way to carry ourselves when things get tough. And accept that we're going to make mistakes, but don't dwell on those mistakes. Don't try to deny those mistakes and blame other people when you're making them. Don't be afraid to fail, but go to God in, in your fullness. Go to the people that you trust, ask for the kind of counsel you need, and then be committed to do the hard work. You know, I talked last week about stages of change. You can make up in your mind, yeah, I need to do something, but you're going to have to put in more than just a day or a couple of weeks to change something that's been in your heart and part of your DNA, part of your lifestyle for years and years. So final, the last few uh, verses, and I can't believe we're already coming up to 25 minutes on this segment, but the last three verses, chapter six, verses six, seven, and eight, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God. To do justly means to be morally right and to love mercy. That is pretty much if you are morally right and you love mercy, that's the blueprint for patience. And if you put it and if you think about it, I know I'm biased because of the this podcast and how much I think about these verses. But it's talking about living with the fruit of the spirit. Leaders lead with the fruit of the spirit. When times are tough, acknowledge our imperfections, ask for forgiveness, not just asking people to forgive us, then be ready to to deal with the fact that some people don't ever want to forgive me or you when you make a mistake. But after you confess it, you go to God and you have the faith that he's going to help you to do what you need to, to replace that bad behavior. And if somebody, if a couple of people never pat you on the back and say, you know, I was all wrong about you, but I see that you got it together. You can't 
allow you can't just sit around like Linus on the, you know, on the Charlie Brown Christmas thing where he was waiting for the great pumpkin. You can't wait for somebody to come around and tell you those words that you've been wanting to hear. Yes, it hurts. And yes, you yes, it does feel like sometimes somebody could say something that can make your day. But I'm telling you, I'm 47 years old. You don't want to spend too much of your time dwelling on if somebody's going to come correct to you and say that they forgive you or say that they had you wrong or give you another chance to prove yourself to them because God brings people into our lives so that we can prove ourselves to him. And if I'm proving myself to him by walking humbly with him and having mercy and love for the opportunities and responsibilities that he gives me, then I'm here to tell you, I can testify. You will have something inside of your mind, inside of your soul, inside of your life that any critic cannot take away from you. All right. So we're actually coming up on 28 minutes. The next thing you will hear will be Z time commenting on this text. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chasing rock, felt in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out with our gloomy past till now we stand at last. Where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. All right, welcome back to the Nine Points Podcast. I'm your host, BH, and I'm flanked by Mr. King and Newbie. And this is Z Time. Right now, what we're about to do, we're going to go through the Sunday school lesson that I just described in the previous segment and I'm going to ask these guys to read it just like they do in the Sunday school class King you always have the key verse so I want you to read the key verse your when it's in your book it usually says in my heart but for my book it says keep in mind yes he hath soothed thee O man what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Okay. Thank you, King. So that is the key verse. So you guys know at some point I'm going to ask you, what does God ask for? What does he expect from us? So since King read the key verse, I'm going to ask newbie to read verses one, two, and three. This is Micah chapter three, verses one, two, and three. Yes, right there. Uh, 
And I said, Here I pray to you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, it is not for you to know of judgment, who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from them, and flesh off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, and fly their skin off of them, and they break their bones, and chop them into pieces, as for the pot and, f- and as flesh within the cauldron. So what kind of uh what kind of images are you seeing right here? What what are that what does that sound like? Does that sound like people being what kind of condition are these people in? Bad um bad emotion mentally. Bad mentally. Uh, it sounds like does it sound like the way that you want someone to treat someone to treat your brother or someone to treat your sister king? Something that's really unsatisfying. I mean, let's see. Talks about pluck off their skin from off of them and the flesh from their bones and chop them in pieces and break their bones. This is what hap- this is what it feels like when people that have authority don't hold themselves accountable. When people that have power and authority do not hold themselves accountable. And other people that have power and authority don't hold their friends accountable, then they can have this kind of impact on people that are, I'm not going to say beneath them. I'm going to say they can have that impact on people that don't have the resources they do. Those things are traumatic and they, those things, those things take life. I mean, people can, a lot of times you can walk away from an accident but those kinds of things, having your bones broken, having your skin peeled off, having your uh, being mutilated. That is what it's like when people that have authority, when people that have been trusted to lead don't take their job seriously or they don't know how to love their neighbor as themselves. That's pretty much symbolically that's talking about the impact that that can come from not doing all we can. Okay, when we're blessed to have resources and have power, it's a blessing. But that blessing comes with the responsibility of knowing that when we make mistakes, we don't just hurt ourselves. We hurt other people. So. I want you guys to read King. I want you to read verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. Yes, sir. Hear this. I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and princes of and princes of the house of Israel, that I bear judgment and pervert all equality. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads, therefore, of judge for reward, and the priests, therefore, of teach for hire, and the prophets, therefore, thereof divide for money. Yet it they yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come up us upon us. 
Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains of the house as the high places of the forest. Okay. Thank you, King. Newbie, what do you think causes a leader to become corrupt? Once they realize that they're a leader for for a long time, and then they realize that they can um do whatever they want. So then over time, they do really bad stuff and abuse their power. So when a person realizes they have power, they're, you think it's just natural for, do you think it's natural for all people to just become mean and cruel when they realize they can get away with it? Or is it something about evil people or weak people? that end up not making the best decisions when they have power and authority? I think it's mainly like either weak people or people that are overly confident that um, believe this. Do you think there's a difference between confidence and pride? Um, I think, but I don't know how to determine the difference. Okay. King, what do you think makes a leader corrupt? When they realize they have a lot of power, it can open them up to temptation. It's very deep, very deep, very deep. I like y'all's answers. <laughs> um, moving on into verses, the end, which is verse chapter six, verses six, seven, and eight. Newbie. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself to the high God? Shall I come before him with the burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn of my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He hath showed me, O man, what is good, and what does thou the Lord require of thee, but to justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Okay. Newbie, since you just read it, what sacrifices does God require? Uh, what does it say God, what does, what would make, would please God? Does he want burnt offerings? Does he want uh, sacrifices? What kinds of things would make God pleased with our efforts? Um. It was the key verse to TJ that that King read. Um, <clears throat> he wants what's good and what the Lord requires of him. King, do you remember what are some of the things that that would please God? It was in the key verse. He wants us to walk humbly with him. He wants us to to have love and mercy for others. And he wants and he wants us to follow our commands, to follow his commands and teach others his commands as well. Thank you, King. Thank you, Nuba. You guys have given some good answers. Now I've got one more question for you that is not in the book. This is from me to you because 
You're going to roll over and wake up and you're going to be graduating from high school. Then you're going to blink a couple of times. And next thing you know, you're in your mid twenties. Then you're going to go to the bathroom and come out and you're going to be 30. So here's, let me ask you King. I'll ask you first, what should you be practicing right now to prepare yourself to become a good leader for your family in the future? Well, I've already went past maturity, but one thing I can do is start studying for things that I will be ready to accomplish, such as getting my license or or going to trade school. Another thing, another thing that's important is that I can um I can look for the best opportunities I have and um look look to you guys for more for some advice, start doing things independently, like buying my own stuff, providing my own services. All right. Thank you, King. Thank you very, very much. Newbie, what should you be practicing right now to prepare yourself to be a good leader for your family and a good leader for whatever you end up doing for the rest of your life? Developing responsibility, heart, and to um, learn how to be self-aware on what the stuff you say and how it can affect people. I like that. It was a really, really good answer. Really good answer. Well, Z-Time, y'all really impressed. Um, everybody out there listening to the podcast, this is one take. Um, this isn't any editing. This is me asking them to just come in and answer these questions. I did tell them to read the the um, the verses while I was at work, but they read it and I came to them this evening and we sat down and I asked them the questions and they those were the answers that they were able to come up with. So thank you very, very much, guys. Uh, is there anything? Ooh, excuse me. Anything you guys would like to add before uh, you turn it back over to the old heads like me? I'm concerned about graduation, like not just for not just for the cere- for the ceremony, but passing the grade. You know, with this with this quarantine going on, I'm not sure what to expect. Although I wouldn't be surprised if I got if the if I got held back or if which will probably not happen, but. Whenever if I get held back or graduation will be canceled, I won't be too surprised about it. But I don't know what to think. I hope for the best once this comes to an end. Well, King, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get held back. Your grades are too good. You already have a good GPA. You've already uh, defended your backpack successfully. You've you've already passed. Uh, They might not have a graduation ceremony, um, which would be very, which would be a shame, but you would have that in common with everybody, at least everybody in this state in the year 2020. You're not going to be held back, but we are definitely going through some unusual times. Um, Newbie, do you have anything you'd like to speak? Anything you want to say about these current times? Um, I honestly don't. What leaves such appropriate? Okay. Well, thank you for joining us for Z Time. And 
that's it for this episode. When I come back, I'm going to have a few final words. I'll talk a little bit about a movie that I saw this weekend and then just elaborate a little bit after that. So stay tuned. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, Keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places our God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Nine Point Podcast. I'm going to, I don't know how long this one's going to be. Probably won't be too long. I'm going to start off reading the 23rd Psalm because it relates to one of the points that I wanted to make. Um and then I'll see how long, how long what God puts on my heart. Um, I'll see how long that goes and then we'll wrap it up. So here's the 23rd Psalm. And right now I'm looking, I know it by heart, but since I'm on the internet and I don't want to stumble, I'm reading from the New International Bible. I grew up remembering from King James, but New International Bible says, the Lord, no, I, I like the King James. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lay down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me into the path of the righteous for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Thy cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Okay, I went I went off of memory. I didn't want to read the, the uh, NIV version because some of it just... I know what it is. It's the same kind of, but some of it, I mean, it's, I mean, anyway, that's the 23rd Psalm. Okay. Some, a couple of things that stood out about the 23rd Psalm. Um, it talks about, I mean, you, you heard it, um, what God created us for and how he leads us into certain situations. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, God is with us. But the point I wanted to, the scripture that I wanted to speak about, the part of the 23rd Psalm that stood out that I wanted to talk about is one that might not get talked about very much. It didn't get talked about very much when I was a kid in Sunday school. So I just wanted to share a, share 
my thoughts on that and then share something that I heard um, in a movie. And that part that says he created, he well, I ain't going to say created this. He creates a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just think about that for a minute. Think about the imagery. Think about the imagery there. God creates, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If you ever, if you ever want to make a group of proud people surprised, have a group of proud people in suspense, show up when they don't invite you. Show up somewhere that the whole room don't feel like you got any business being there. They can't conduct their business. You show up somewhere where the the sense in the room, the spirit of the room is, how did he get here? Who invited her? And when you go in there with the full armor of God and with the fruit of the spirit in your attitude coming forth from the words that you communicate, if you are in the presence of very proud people, not confident people, very proud people, if you're in the presence of people that are thinking about how they can earn another, you know, earn another dollar, another buck, this idea or these ideas that they think that could put this plan in motion that might bring some, you know, might bring some satisfaction in certain situations, but nothing lasting. Nothing nearly as important as helping that proud person stick their chest out. You will walk in feeling good about having humility, feeling confident and looking forward to having patience and gentleness with people. And you get around people that um, define themselves as competitive uh, go getters. All you do is show up and talk like you got some sense. And you become the talk of the party. Or they might not say anything about you. They might just look at you and be thinking to themselves, kind of holding their breath, waiting for you to leave. That is what it's like when you have the fruit of the spirit in you. When you've replaced the things that when you've replaced the immediate gratification for the sustained victory of seeing people that you love transformed people that had that dealt with strongholds now believing in the in the relationship that God has with them and knowing that he can use them no matter where they are and no matter what mistakes they've made when you come speaking the truth and it's in you and it's not just there's nothing wrong with reciting stuff. There's nothing wrong with being able to say stuff backwards and forward. That's good. When I pledge, you better <laughs> if you pledge, you better know your stuff backwards and forwards and be able to say it quick. But to note to live it, to have a, you know, to have a, a, a life experience to back that scripture. When you around people that just don't operate that way, that's what it means to be 
to have a table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. Because God doesn't want us to do without. God prepares us to be more than conquerors. So when we pull up to the table, amongst people that don't know how to act, they got two choices. Either they try to destroy us or they try to learn from us. And the thing is, we should not. I mean, if we have to, we have to. But we should have the kind of hearts and the kind of courage where where we have people that we spend time with so that we don't go in very many of those kinds of situations alone. Um, we sometimes we have to stand alone. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think all of us have to stand alone at times, but I think it's there's something about when you know you're standing with God and you know somebody's standing with you, they don't have to like everything about you, but you know that you're you're not about playing. You're about doing what's right. And you want to make sure that you enjoy the presence of the people that you're with. So you share what God puts on your heart. It's something about being with people like that and not just being by yourself. We we are leaders. And God puts us in situations that are not uncomfortable for us. And they're definitely not they're not comfortable for the people that we're stirring. But that leads me to something. I saw a good family movie this weekend. Um, I think it's called A Wonderful Neighborhood. Um, but it's the movie. The movie was about Mr. Rogers. And um, if you're my age, well, for those of you that are not Generation Xers, if you're, if you're younger than that, Mr. Rogers was Nickelodeon before Nickelodeon. Mr. Rogers was Noggin before Noggin. Mr. Rogers was with back with Sesame Street and the Electric Company. And I didn't I forgot that he talked about really, really deep stuff. Because the thing about Mr. Rogers that I remembered before that movie, I remembered how he carried himself. And the way that he carried himself is not the way that I want I, I to this day. Um I don't think that the way that he carried himself was the way that I want to completely imitate myself. It was his personality, God leading him through his personality. But the things that he talked about and his, and his passion and his convictions about what he knew to be true and, and doing his best to deal with the, um, the pressure and the responsibilities that he had and not to take those things too lightly. Um, that was what I enjoyed the most about the movie. But there was a particular part in that movie. He said a quote, something there was a serious, a serious scene. Um, and he said, well, they were talking about death. And uh, Mr. Rogers, he basically said death is human. And then he said, anything that's human is mentionable. And anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we when we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting and less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we are not alone. Now, I know a lot of you guys that remember Mr. Rogers 
you think about how he how he looked, how he dressed, and his little mannerisms and his his singing. But those words were deep, strong, true, and um and. I, 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 my wife and I agree. We talked a little bit. I had a mentor when I was in graduate school um, that reminded me in his own way of Mr. Rogers. He wasn't a carbon copy by any means, but it was just something about him. He was strong. He had he was a man with a lot of faith. He was intelligent. He was not going to allow any circumstance to um, short circuit his um, his commitment to be a strong man um, and to stand up and do what he thought was right. Um, when I was, you know, when I was in graduate school and he was my mentor and my supervisor for several years, um, thing I got to say is people like that are out there, guys. I'm not the only person that that benefited from the truth and the and the and the willingness to be different uh, of a Mr. Rogers or like the mentor that I had in graduate school. Those people are out there. You don't have to do what they do exactly, but you have got to admire somebody that is willing to be themselves, authentically themselves, if they've learned that that's the balance necessary to make sure God shines more than the uh, than their shadow, more than the things that they fight against within themselves each day, because that's what we all do. No matter where we are in this journey, um, we we have some of us have a new walk, but that doesn't mean we're immune to our old ways of doing things. So don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to say I'm not used to being around people and building relationships with people that are willing to be different too, to, that have that kind of courage and are willing to be obedient to God and to follow the fruit of the spirit wherever it leads them and to have the courage and the, and the humility so that they can have the discernment necessary to enjoy the journey. So guys, that's the last little bit I have for this episode of the Nine Points Podcast. Uh, please take care of yourselves. Be serious-minded. Be sober-minded. Uh, take care of what you have the power to take care of. Give God th- praise for what you have to be thankful for, the many things that we might have all been able to take for granted a couple of months ago. Take time to thank God for what you are still able to do. The people that um, that still shine his light into your life every day and take the time to think about somebody else who might not have it as 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 uh, as you do. Somebody else you might know that's going through a transition for one reason or another. And then step step up and be your best self your best self. And um, that's all I got. So remember, wealth is to be spent, but treasure is to be shared. God bless you.